Veda Rapina, and that's the Scuttlebutt. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, what's up, Chicago friends? If you are in the Andersonville area and want to check out a really cool comic book shop, head on over to Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you're into comics, magna, gaming, and all the cool stuff, Alley Cat Comics is the place to be. Gotta love Celine and the rest of the gang over at Alley Cat Comics. Pick up your gaming supplies, set aside your comic books, grab the latest Star Wars and Marvel books, or give them a call at 773-907-3404. And tell them the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast sent you. Oh, yeah. Alley Cat Comics in Chicago. It's where the cool cats hang. See what I did there? everybody thank you very much for joining us here on another edition of the scare of scuttlebutt podcast this is ro and if you're finding us for the first time thank you so much ah we've got a very interesting topic and not that we're kind of uh stretching on topics here but i really wanted to get this one in we are going to be talking about Star Wars characters that wear capes. And actually, I got this idea from the guys over at Rebel Force Radio. So please forgive me, Jimmy Mack and the rest of the gang. But um, I, you guys uh, you guys were talking about it a little bit. And I said, you know what? This is kind of an interesting topic to tease it out. And with me today, special guest, we have Scott. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Oh, that's a good question. In fact, that may be the best question. <laughs> How do I pronounce my last name? Rifen. Rifen. Yeah. Excellent. Scott yeah. Rifen. Well, welcome to the Citadel of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Your first time, but not your uh, first interaction with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, absolutely. I'm delighted to be here. Very glad to have been invited. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Excellent. So Star Wars capes, you know, before we get to that, I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. um, a little bit about uh, a little bit of your background. Um, we uh, we have a little bit of synergy, but I want to let folks know uh, what uh, what you do to pay the bills. Uh, I'm I do. I talk show host in the mornings on a couple of different stations. I'm on uh, 98.7 WGIG in beautiful Brunswick, Georgia. And as of last July, they also distribute the show to Savannah. Uh, so I'm on in two markets. I refer to that as semi-syndication. Very nice. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to, to have to wrestle with all of the southeast coast of Georgia, but that's what I get to do. Uh, the program's available on a podcast feed every single day and uh, all four hours of it. And um, then after that, when I'm done, when I go in at four in the morning and I prep for two hours and then I do a show for four hours after that, then I have to be the vice president of programming for the stations. <laughs> oh, God. We have five stations in the in beautiful Brunswick, Georgia, and uh, everything that goes wrong on them is my fault. Of course, because you're the boss. Yeah. yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you for joining us on the fifth hour of your day. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's, so I w- that's the beautiful thing, though, because you do TV, so you know people think that like newscasters—they're there for thirty minutes and they go home. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, that's what I thought when I was kid. It was when yeah. I was a kid, and yeah. you know, the wonderful thing is, uh, you know, we we don't complain too much. We're we're there for ten hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. The boss asks us to do a double. We're like, eh, okay. All right, got to do what you got to do to get it done, and uh, you know that's. That's what you do. And people think that of me all the time. They're, oh, yeah, you get off at 10, so you're just done for the day. No. <laughs> no, sir. That's when my yeah. day starts because then I can do all the other things. Right. And it is funny. It is when your day starts because, you know, you sit there in front of the camera or microphone, you do your thing, and then you actually have to do a lot of work afterwards to prepare for the next one. Mm-hmm. And and again, just to handle the business. We've got five stations, sure. so I'm handling the business of the morning on that station, but now I have to handle the... 24 seven business of all five stations after that. So yeah, yeah, the days are long and, but, but they're rewarding. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. They always tell you, choose something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You've heard that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, 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 well, (laughs) I'll tell you why I've got something I love. I've never worked harder in my life. I, but I want to work hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. My wife always tells me I'm lucky because I, 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 you know, I, I'm living that uh, that trope. Um, mm-hmm. Love what I do, 
you know, even on my days off, I, you know, since I own a video production company, I, I still do the stuff that I do, you know, at, at the TV station. So it's, it's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like cleaning toilets and there's no. nothing wrong with cleaning toilets. I just did uh, a couple <laughs> myself a couple, a uh, half hour ago. <laughs> yeah. But you do the ones you do them when you want to do them. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask you, you know, um, let me get, let's dive a little deep into your, your geekdom. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, about Star Wars or any other uh, fandom that, that you're into, any other franchises that you follow, uh, or is it just Star Wars? What, uh, what do you say? You know, Star Wars is, is my, is kind of my co number one. It, it look, I've got kiss too. Kiss and Star sure. Wars. Look, I'm a, you know, I'm a 1977 kid. So, uh, those were the two big things and they're still the two big things for me, but hmm. you know, anything Lucas, I'll still follow anything. Uh, oh, the original Battlestar Galactica stuff. I love old Star oh, Trek. Yeah. Um, and books. I have a weird, I have a weird fixation on series books and tie-in books. And okay. I don't know what it is. I mean, the, the other day I saw some, some, uh, I can't even remember what the, what it was. Was it Highlander? Something, something I don't even follow. And I was like, I got to get those because <laughs> they're part of a series and a tie-in to a franchise. Oh, um, wow. But it's just, it's, there's something fascinating to me too, about like the other day I, I got a copy of Moonraker, the novelization. Yeah. And you know, there's something about taking uh, like Ian Fleming writes a novel, which they then turn into a movie that somebody else then has to turn back into a novel. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I just I have stacks and stacks and stacks of tie-in novels. Um uh, just just about anything you could imagine because it just it fascinates me the the I've always been fascinated with storytelling period. Sure. And so yeah. different ways of telling stories have always just interested me. So I love comics, but I love novels and I love movies and TV shows. And so it, it it's all they're different kinds of storytelling. Paintings are storytelling when you look sure. at them. Yeah. Um, so, and then the ways of telling stories and then the ways of retelling the same story just really interests me. Well, that's one of the cool things about Star Wars. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's not a very complicated story, but something about it, um, has made it stick throughout the decades. And I think, you know, George Lucas really tapped into something. Um, and I, you know, I, I, we find it fascinating. Obviously we sit here, we talk about Star Wars, uh, until we're blue in the face, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how many Star Wars podcasts there are, but you know, my wife is like, "You guys are still talking about that movie from 1977," and it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's unique. I mean, it's you know, this IP is 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 such a unique experience, and um, to be able to you know live and breathe uh, inside this sandbox, you know, at least just by creating content and talking about it. I mean, you know, we, besides just regular characters, you know, I'm talking about this and we're talking, we're going to be talking about, you know, Star Wars capes. So I don't know what that says about my, <laughs> the topics here, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just fascinating. I mean, George Lucas's background, uh, anthropology, the, the, the history mm -hmm. of man and, and all the, just the kind of like the deep topics that he kind of in, injected into his story. Without really, you know, beating your, beating your, your, you know, beating yourself over the head with, with some of these, uh, some of these stories, but it's, it's fascinating yeah. to me. Well, yeah. And, and, and a lot of what he did was he, he kind of zeroed in on the timelessness. Right. And, you know, maybe he was inspired by real life events of the era and all of that, but he always found a way to make it much broader. He always found a way to, to inject a certain set of timeless human values that we all seem to share or need to share in order to advance society. And that's the thing I find fascinating. You know, the funny thing about it is years ago, my buddy Riley, who used to do star Wars report had me on and he was, he was going through this question with all of his different guests. And it was this, you know, what is, does the star Wars saga mean to you? And he had this big, long explanation, you know, it's the family juxtaposition of the evil and this and that. And, that. I, just, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, wow, that's really intellectual. And I guess I could do that too. But then I started thinking about it and I went, you know, the, but the truth is, you know, I was six years old. Right. In, in, in July of 1977, when I went to the Lanier theater, sat on the right hand side of the Lanier twin and watched star Wars for the first time. And I came out and I said, that's the best movie I've ever seen. And I'm right. never going to see a better movie in my life. 
and I didn't say that because of all of this, because I intellectualized all this timeless value and all this other, it, it was just literally, it reached inside me and grabbed something I didn't know was there. That's interesting too, because, you know, as we become adults, we do kind of deep dive into the, the, the uh, topics of Star Wars. All that stuff that lies underneath the spaceships and the laser swords. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I was seven years old when yeah. I went to go see Star Wars here in Chicago at the Adelphi Theater on Clark Street. Isn't and it funny, though, that you just remember that? Yeah. Where were you when Elvis yeah. died? I can tell you. I can tell you. Because I remember it's so funny. I, I went on vacation, summer vacation. I remember, well, let me let me take that back. I can tell you the first Star Wars sighting. I'm trying to save this for my episode of my Star Wars story, but who knows <laughs> when that's gonna happen. Um my brother came home with a scholastic read magazine. You remember uh, that? Yeah, yeah. And it Star Wars was the the cover story. And he said, Man, this is it. This is coming out, and this is gonna be the best thing ever. And uh, and I remember he pinned up this picture, and it was the it was that shot, that publicity shot of the X-wing, kind of at an angle with the Tie Fighter behind it. Yeah, and actually, you know the one? The, yeah, it was just kind of everywhere, uh -huh. right? And and because it was printed in two colors, because the Reed magazine was just a two color magazine, or maybe a one color magazine. Yeah, um, I thought Luke Skywalker, the the X-wing, I couldn't make it out clearly, and I thought it was a guy in a spacesuit. I thought that was Luke Skywalker walking in the sky. Oh yeah being chased by this thing. So I remember that. And then we went on vacation and the Warren special, that Warren famous monster star Wars special. Yeah. Found that in a, in a convenience store and we stopped to get gas and I begged my parents for it. And I just devoured that thing. And, uh, you know, again, we didn't have day and date. You, you might've been Chicago, but we didn't, we didn't have May 25th in oh, Brunswick, yeah. Georgia. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we had the date, but we didn't have a release. Right. And, and so I kept watching and watching and watching and, you know, every night you get the paper and it's not there. And then all of a sudden it's coming. Yeah. And it was July 29th before it got to Brunswick. Wow. And we had months to build up on this thing. Sure. So I was at the first show. We went to Lanier Twin on the right-hand side and we got there about 15, 20 minutes early because my mom gets everywhere early. And then we couldn't go in because mom said we didn't pay to see that showing. Oh God. And back then, and you'll remember this. <laughs> The movie theater, you didn't have doors on a the movie theater. You you walked kind of around. Sure. You know, there's like a little wall that yeah. would block people off, and you walked around the wall. So you can hear everything. <laughs> and I'm dying because I'm sitting out that side, outside that theater, just hearing everything that's going on. The music, the explosions, you know. I remember that vividly still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's interesting. It's, um, it, it is a, uh, you know, an experience of our generation. Yeah. Everybody, everybody can tell you what they were doing, you know, who they were with, uh, their personal experiences. And, you know, obviously this is, you know, there's a reason we're still talking about it 40, you know, 40 years later. Uh, it's amazing. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, as far as fandom goes too. The comics were a big deal to me. The Marvel, the Marvel stuff was a big deal because that was Star Wars and we didn't have new Star Wars. Sure. And so, you know, I would devour that. And we didn't have, you know, a comic shop. So you, you you learned which convenience stores in town had the good racks. Right. And <laughs> and you, you you went on vacation and you tried to catch up. And I, I can't even tell you how out of sequence I bought everything because I just bought it whenever I found it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But but the, the those were important to me. Because they were Star Wars. You know, when there wasn't a movie, there was the comics, the Marvel comics. So those were those were significant. And they will come up today during the discussion. Excellent. Yeah. Do you remember, um, was Star Wars comics the only comics that you collected? They were the first comics I collected. Mm -hmm. They were my gateway. In fact, I, I actually got a letter published in uh, Comics Buyer's Guide. Oh, they were nice. asking what your kind of your gateway drug was sure. years ago. And uh, the Star Wars was my was my gateway drug. 
I would buy Star Wars and I would always look at the comic racks and I was always kind of interested. And I remember my brother, again, my brother, he would tell me, you know, you buy any number one and it's going to be worth a fortune. <laughs> yeah. Anything that's number one is a fortune. So the thing number one showed up on the shelf when I was buying Star Wars comics and it's number one. It's going to be worth a fortune. So I bought it. And then like the next issue of the thing comes out and he's in the Baxter building cleaning up a mess. And they go, well, if you want to know what happened in the mess, buy Fantastic Four 256. <laughs> and I went, okay. So I bought Fantastic Four 256. And in the background, there's a little flash of light that says, hey, if you want to see what this is, buy Avengers 233. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. I'll buy Avengers 233. So before long, I'm buying everything. It's like your your uh, your crack dealer is telling yeah, you that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> First taste is free. Oh man, I've got uh, I've got a lot of number ones in my collection. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. There was a point in time the number ones that I got were never the biggies though. It was like uh, yeah. Team America. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, I got every issue of Team America. So if you need a Team America set, you let me know. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, when Marvel, obviously, we had the big two, Marvel and DC, and then yeah. Image came out, and everybody started collecting all the Image comics. We had a lot of uh, Image number ones, because obviously that was a uh, fledgling company at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, we had, uh, you know, then we started following the artists, and what is Rob Liefeld doing now, and what's Jim Lee up to these days, and he's got a number one over here. Mm -hmm. I, got a, I got plenty of that stuff. Who were your guys? Who were the guys you followed? Uh, you know, I mean, I grew up with uh, with Marvel Comics um, and, uh, you know, from from the 70s. I wasn't too and I'm still not a big DC guy. I'll, you know, mm -hmm. I other than the big, you know, tentpole characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But for the, Mar you know, for Marvel, I was a big collector of of. Um, Spider-Man was like my biggest, uh, yes, my most uh, favorite um, superhero. And it's funny, I, I've said this on another other episodes of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I was so into Spider-Man that I wanted to be Peter Parker. I wanted to have a radioactive spider bite me so I can uh, obtain the proportionate strength and powers of a spider. Yes. I, I did not know where to get a radioactive spider, so the only... <laughs> radioactivity that I thought I could harness was a flashlight. Mm. So one night I took a spider from the backyard, put it in the jar overnight. I put a flashlight over it. And in the morning I woke up and I made him bite me hope, <laughs> hoping to get the, the powers of a spider. Um, didn't happen. Got no. a nice little welt, but it's a good thing that I didn't test it out and run into traffic. Well, the good, yeah, that's true. Well, the good news is that uh, this story could have gone hideously awry if yeah. you had said, uh, like, I figured out that I could put him in the microwave oh, and irradiate him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also depends on what kind of spider I grabbed. I, I didn't know mm -hmm. I was like seven years old. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, Spider-Man was my hero, too. My superhero. My two superhero guys were, were Spider-Man and The Thing. Yeah. And I never understood why Peter was always unhappy as Spider-Man. Because I was like you. I was going, well, if I had that, I'd be swinging and having a great time. And sure. Yeah. You know, would be no yeah. problems whatsoever. Yeah. I remember the thing, you know, besides uh, the Fantastic Four titles, I, what, uh, what, he had a solo title, uh, all, all in one, I think. Wait, Marvel's Marvel two all in one. one. Two in Marvel one. Marvel two in one. Yeah. And then they canceled that and started the thing. And that's where I picked up on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of series uh, books, um, Netflix just announced that they are picking up a book trilogy, uh, The Three-Body Problem. The th I don't know that one. Why don't uh, I know that? Why you, don't I know uh, this? Do a little research, ask the Google, and uh, and check it out. It's a, it's a very interesting trilogy. Um, science fiction writer, Chinese um, writer... I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Liu, Liu Ching. But uh, it's mm. an interesting topic. Title refers to the three-body problem in orbital mechanics. And I'll just leave it at that. Very exciting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is this a thing that you can read in bits and pieces, or do you, you pretty much have to put your thinking cap on for this? 
uh, yeah, it sounds like a thinking cap type of uh, thing, but uh, we'll uh, we'll soon be seeing it on Netflix. Have you read the books? Uh, a friend of mine has. Um, okay. He told me about it, and then I, I started skimming through it, and um, they look pretty good. You know, I um, I have a, a weird problem with books and comic books and al- like music albums. I used to buy stuff just on cover alone. I'm like, oh, this looks like an awesome cover. And I bet you whatever's inside is really cool. So I've got tons of, of just books and CD old albums. Um, like when I was little, I'm like, this album with the UFO on it and what looks like a Simon you know, a Simon um, game from Milton Bradley looks really cool. <laughs> ELO? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, I, uh, I I stockpile media, I'll be honest. I did I have largely I'd say 95% given up paper books for electronic books just because uh, I can't do that. Well, see, I I I don't didn't want to, but our old house pretty much filled up with books. We moved into a new house like 15 years ago and the main reason was cuz there were too many books. Oh god. And then I realized I kind of want to stay married. Oh yeah, and um, okay. So I said, you know, I'll I'll cause fewer problems around the house if I just go to digital. <laughs> Too That's funny. What we did. All but right. I would I'll, go to you know those bag of you know the five dollar book sale and get sure. a bag and fill it up for five bucks and that kind of thing. I would just bring home books all the time. And then because I'm on the radio and people know I love books, people would call me and say, hey, I got a couple of boxes of books. I'm going to get rid of you. Want I'm like, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's yeah, lovely. I filled up fast. It's lovely when people know you and, you know, at work I get stuff with like, you know, if somebody sees something with the Star Wars logo on it, it's, oh, yeah. on, my, it's on my desk the next day. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you might not have this. I've, I've got four of them, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't even tell people anymore. I just go, thank you. And just oh yeah, because it just th- that does happen a lot. You're right, because you it's, know you're their Star Wars guy. I've always exactly. said like everybody, people have a Star Wars guy. Exactly. And I'm I'm everybody's Star Wars guy that I know, and I'm their Kiss guy. So, and it's the they have thought something that like that, huh? And it's the thought that counts. Yeah, exactly. They're thinking of <laughs> you, and they went to trouble to do that. So yeah, I just, I just say thank you, and then I'm, you know move on i don't sit there go yeah i've already got five of these (laughs) i know dude get me something i need you got anything else (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't ask for the better one yeah that's nice all right, so let's uh, let's get down to business here. Um, Star Wars capes, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I wanted a, I wanted to kind of chime in and say, you know, besides everybody's going to pick the main characters that wear mm-hmm. capes, and obviously, I am a big Darth Vader fan. Um, if uh, next time, next time uh, you're on the show, we'll do a live show. You can see the Darth Vader behind me. Um, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Darth Vader for me, I don't know what it is about his character. Um, and obviously I fell in love with him when I first saw him, you know, bust yes. into the Tantive four there in, in a new hope, uh, or star Wars when, uh, when it was first released, mm-hmm. but yeah, something about, uh, something about Darth Vader, um, Cape and all, but, uh, what are some of, uh, what are some of your favorite characters that wear capes in star Wars? Well, you know, I'm a Vader guy too. It's funny because we're like both Spider-Man guys, and we're both Vader guys. Yeah. In fact, in fact, that's one of my. It, it, when, when we do a live show, you'll get to see my office. I've spent the last year redoing my office, my home office, because my mother-in-law moved in with us for a few months, and I had to ship everything off into storage when she was here. And by the way, that included 49 boxes of Star Wars books in my one little office. And uh, when my mother-in-law moved out, I went, great, I'm going to get everything back. And my wife said, no, no, hold on. Start over and do it the way you want it. Because it was all kind of a patchwork, little things here and there. Oh, yeah. Um, And so we picked out the bookcases we wanted. And and, and so I wound up doing the room is 95% Star Wars. Because I wanted to keep it consistent. 
because before I had just, again, I had a mismatch of everything, mishmash. But one of the things I've got a, like a helmet shelf and, but in the middle of it, I've got this photo of my son Garrison when he was six years old at Disney world. This was night. No, this was 2007. And they had just started doing the little Jedi Academy thing that they were doing. Right. And uh, in fact, this was a point in time, like they got it to where you could sign up for it and you would just be in it. But at the time they picked people out of the audience and we had a cast member come up and tell us, Hey, you know, here's how you can get selected. Just get there early and get up front. And so we did. So he got to get up there. And so the middle shelf has a photo of G man fighting Vader with a lightsaber. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I, I just, I remember taking just shot after shot after shot and my wife's going, what's is it are you having allergies I'm like, no i'm fine just you know this is it was just it was just a wonderful beautiful moment that my son was wearing a jedi robe cutting onions yeah exactly and it's just like my son is wearing a jedi robe and lightsaber clashing with vader this is the best world ever <laughs> that's why we have kids yeah yeah that's why we have kids. <laughs> but yeah I, I vader vader's a big guy vader's a big one for me uh the cape is obvious the only thing is I started thinking about this because this was the topic. And I, I think you and I agree that largely speaking, capes are kind of useless. There's not a lot of reason to have a cape. Yeah. It's all psychological. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think with Vader, there is a reason for it. I think it's intimidating. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it helps him become less of a, a specific target because mm-hmm. he's got the lights and everything. And so you could, if you were, trying to go at him you might could aim for some of that stuff but now the cape can kind of conceal and shroud some of that i think his may actually have some tactical use another guy with a great cape is grievous oh yeah general grievous had a terrific cape and it, you know when you have the cosplayers of grievous that's where they hide they hide in the cape exactly so that's cool and i didn't realize until i was uh older that uh vader actually has an inner cloak mm. which is uh kind of cool keeps him yep. nice and nice and neat uh yep. shape wise but then he's got the uh the heavier cloak very it's, cool it's um kind of yeah. yeah absolutely yeah getting back and to uh the roots of star wars a little uh a little george lucas uh oh yeah yeah when the japanese influence creeps into star wars i just i i flip out um you and i not only vader guys and spider-man guys but also not last jedi guys <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, I, you know what you you mentioned that name i gotta get my tequila out every sorry, time sorry I, take a shot <laughs> take a shot um, but no, but it's funny because the canto bite sequence i think we would also probably agree that the bite part is much much more relevant to that than the canto <laughs> part but the security guards uniforms to me are straight up george lucas japanese influenced design yeah they you know what um i don't know if you remember a show called uh, um space giants (laughs) do i remember space giants please from the far reaches of outer space comes a threat to planet earth Mankind faces its most powerful enemy, the mastermind Rodak. There were um, there were uh, police officers in that show that were very that had very similar outfits. Now that you mentioned, mm. It. Mm. Uh, so they were the, the police officers. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to remember the police officers in that. I remember. I can tell you that it, Miko Mora was the main character, and Ito, his dad, Ito Mora. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Goldar and Silvar, obviously. And Gam, their kid. Goldar, the 50-foot robot. And uh, Gam and, and Silvar, the five-foot wife of the 50-foot robot. And then their son. <laughs> How did that work out? Goldar, a 50-foot robot, and his electronic space family are created to defend our world. Yeah, and their son, whose name is Leg, basically. And... Uh, <laughs> None of that really makes any sense. That is no. actually a thing. You know what that is? It's it's it's. I guess it's called Captain Magma, is the real name of it over there. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese name it's Magma Taishi. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Rodak. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, my I didn't I didn't eat in the lunchroom. I don't eat vegetables. I don't eat fruits or vegetables. Just a thing. Don't <laughs> don't judge. Just accept. 
And uh, I would eat in the lunchroom and my mom would always cut, she'd always send me a sandwich and she always cut it diagonally down the middle, right? Wow. So I had these two triangles when I yeah. ate my sandwich. And uh, I would always try to bite it into the shape of Rodak's ship. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, That's funny. <laughs> So yeah, I'm familiar with the space guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. Uh, next time, you know, watching all those shows, Space Giants and Ultraman, and uh, yeah, or some of the other ones. Space uh, Giants the, was on every day, right? Uh, on uh, on Turner, on uh, I guess it was WTCG before it was TBS, and uh, I watched it there. And then they got rid of it eventually for Spectrum Man, right? And I had no zest for Spectrum Man because he was the reason that. You know, I, I, that's right. the way I saw it. I blamed Spectre Man for the Space Giants not being on anymore. Right. But, uh, but yeah, th that stuff was awesome. And then Saturday morning, I'd get up and watch Ultraman. So that was always, that was, he's, you know, they say he's pretty much Mickey Mouse in Japan. He's everywhere, ubiquitous. But uh, another cape guy that I like a lot because I'm a comic guy is Baron Taggy. Do you remember him? Did you ever read any of the Marvel stuff, the comics? Baron Taggy. Yes. Uh spell T A G G E? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of familiar. Well, yeah, I mean there was a, there was a relative on the Death Star in the conference room. Right. And he perished and uh this is his brother. Huh. And his brother the whole there's a whole family. In fact, they they bring some of them into the comics now. Their sister Domina, who's again the story in the original Star Wars Marvel Star Wars is a lot better than what they're doing right now with it. But um, Baron Taggy had a, a a big flowing cape and a giant visor. Pre-Jordy LaForge had a big right. visor so that he could see, like a cybernetic visor. And uh, that's because he got into a lightsaber fight with Vader at one point, and Vader blinded him. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at uh, looking at some pictures on, on the interwebs. Yeah, actually, I screen grabbed because I didn't know if we were doing video or not. I was going to send you a screen grab of it, but... I don't have to now because you're looking at pictures. Baron but yeah, they have the whole the whole family intrigue there. There's a Silas is the one of the brothers. He's the scientist. Domina is the kind of the Michael Corleone of the family back then. Yeah. She was innocent. They tried to keep her out of the family business, and then she winds up pretty much assuming the whole thing. Interesting. No, I don't. I don't remember this character. Yeah, that's it's a Marvel Star Wars creation. Yeah. Sure. But again, for me, that was Star Wars. Yeah. Because that was what was happening when there were no new movies. Between Star Wars and Empire, because you know back then you you didn't oh see Star God, Wars and go yeah. what? No, oh, yeah, that's right. We uh, we had to wait three years between. Yeah, stuff. We, we had to wait three years, and even after the first one, you didn't really know if there was going to be any more. Is okay, yeah. I hope. And then eventually, they, yes, we're going to have one. And and I remember my brother telling me that there's going to be another Star Wars movie, and it's going to be called The Empire Strikes. And I went great. And then a few months later, there's a Marvel Star Wars issue, number eighteen. You can look it up. And on the front cover is a giant, The Empire Strikes. But it wasn't, obviously. The movie. I thought, this is going to be the next movie. But it, it was not. It was not. He didn't have the, my brother didn't have the back part right. So, Yeah, it's hilarious. And there is a Star Wars, I wonder what, um, I had it in my phone, but there was a Star Wars book uh, title during that era of the Marvel Star Wars comics that was called... The Last Jedi. Yeah, it's like uh, I think number sixty-four, maybe. Right. I was gonna say sixty-eight or sixty-seven, yeah, something like that. Well, I got to tell you, I'm doing, I'm doing this blind, but I'm pretty sure sixty-eight is one of the 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 second part of the uh, the Mandalorian story they did with Finn Shiza and and uh, Tubby Dalla and all that stuff. I'm thinking sixty-four. Is that is that maybe right? Yeah, could be right. That's good yeah. stuff, man. Now I'm questioning well, myself. Love those books. I uh, every so often I take them out, check out the covers. Again, I I just had this thing with covers. <laughs> but you know, they say you can't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. Let's see. It's not sixty four. It is. See now I'm gonna now I'm gonna just die on a hill here. That's gonna drive me nuts. Might be sixty three. It's right around there. No, it's not 63 either. Darn it. All right, C-Row, you messed me up. I've been doing this all night now. <laughs> I completely blame you for this. Did okay, you follow? 
Did you follow artists? You know, I I was I was a writer guy. Yeah. But there were some. I mean, John Byrne was my guy art wise. Sure. John Byrne and and strangely enough, Bernie Wrightson. I don't know why I attached to Bernie Wrightson early on, but and you know who and Al Williamson. Oh yeah, the, holy he cow, did a lot Al of Williamson. The, yeah, he did a lot of those covers. I'll tell you a lot of. Uh, I had a, one of the neatest experiences I had was uh, Al Williamson used to at one point he was working with uh, Carlos Garcon. And uh, Carlos Garcon, and uh, I like they were accent. kind of co-art co-artists on like the Empire Strikes Back adaptation and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was at Celebration, had a print, and he was in Artist Alley, and nobody when I went there was talking to him. And uh, and he didn't speak English very well, and I don't speak Spanish very well, but we pigeoned with each other for about fifteen or twenty minutes, and I had a wonderful time because it, it, that's. The Al Williamson Star Wars comic art is just, is, oh, it's amazing yeah, I, stuff. I love it. Yeah. And it just, it, it just, I mean, that to me is just Al Williamson stuff and the Walt Simonson stuff. Cause that Michelini Walt Simonson era of that Marvel comic was just fantastic. Totally agree. Love it. And that, in fact, uh, the last celebration was one where I got the Al Williamson artist edition. I've got all those artist editions. Okay. Marvel. Okay. Last year. Oh, it was 49. It was that soon. That early. Oh, wow. I yeah, totally I messed that I up. I almost said, I almost said in the forties. Okay. So 40, it was, it was in that, it was in that period after they adapted empire, which ended at 44 and before they really had any real direction, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of were, well, let's do this. Let's try this one out. All right. That works. Okay. Maybe, sort of. That was during like the Lando Calrissian, Cody Sunchild stuff, and before the Michelini and uh, Walt Simonson combo really got them on track, and they were on track. There's some really good stuff in there. Cape wise, Biggs. I mean, can we bring Biggs in, or is Biggs? Yeah, no, no let's is do Biggs it. Biggs excommunicated because he didn't yeah. wear the cape in a canon moment. Put him in there. But it's, it's funny. I, I know I put it in the notes, but. Um, you know, we talk about how George Lucas kind of takes stuff from history and mm. shapes it and forms it, uh, especially in, in Star Wars. But um, earliest record of capes is in the year 1066. And like I said, I put it in the notes. I found it very curious about the whole Order 66, mm-hmm. 1066. wonder if it's a coincidence. I don't know. Yeah, I always felt like the the Order sixty six had more to do with the Japanese internment, but I don't know. I mean, and I was thinking uh, number of the beast minus one six. Well, that's uh, that's possible too. I suppose maybe <laughs> maybe it's just one of those fortunate coincidences that it hits all of these things at once. Um, but I also noticed when the capes in Star Wars, who's wearing capes? It's Vader. It's Phasma. Right. It's you know, the Baron we mentioned earlier, he's, mm-hmm. he's, and, and these are all bad guys with the exception of Biggs, but Biggs didn't make the cut. Right. These are all bad guys. Lando, of course, known for his capes, but he spent some time kind of being a bad guy too early on. Yeah, a little gray, uh, morally. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if the, if the cape means like you're concealing something. It could be. Is there, yeah. is there. Is there something to that that you're maybe you're not quite out in the open because you're always covered by something? Is there some kind of a symbology there or is that also a coincidence? Yeah, I like that. Is there reading too much into that going on right here or? And by the way, with my hands, I'm continually making the shape of a cape (laughs) over people's shoulders as I'm saying this. I don't know why. I can picture it. All right, friends, time to say thank you and acknowledge all the wonderful souls that help keep the lights on over here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thanks. We're super lucky to have you. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons, Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Can't forget our other patrons, Rogue One Radio. Thank you, D. DJ Steve and Nicole. And check out Comics and Cosmetics. Danny's got some lovely takes on comics and uh, cosmetics. 
go subscribe to her show. Our Miami pal, the Frank. What's up, Frank? And Joey Rosales, longtime supporter of the Scuttlebutt. Thank you, kind sir. Massive shout out to my co-host and mistress of the dark, Chantel of Scarif After Dark. And the ever so wonderful Belinda. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you're on this list. Big thanks to our other friends, Alex and Jay, and our resident classic Hollywood expert, one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Krennic's got a glory. Krennic's got a cape that really should all along have been on Tarkin. Tarkin should have been a cape man. Well, you know what, though? I was thinking about that. Like, when Krennic came in, and what did Tarkin think when he actually, when he first saw Krennic's cape? Like, oh, my God, what is it with this guy? <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, because Tarkin is Tarkin's Tark- kind of a no-nonsense. Exactly. No frills. Let's just get this thing done. Kind uh, of guy. Yeah. Tarkin's not, you're right, Tarkin is not a showboat. Tarkin is just... Let's do this thing. Let's get it over with. Let's be vicious and ruthless and efficient and move on. So, yeah, he probably did like, why is this guy got a cape? Yeah. What is, what is he going to do with the cape? Is he going to, is he going to smother me with it? <laughs> I'm going to take this Death Star away from this guy. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> He's not serious enough. What do you show up at the job interview with Chucks on? What are you doing? I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, but no, Tarkin's got a really nice cape. Or Krennic? Oh, sorry, yeah, Krennic. Yeah. Krennic's got a really nice cape. Yeah, and you can see it. And there's a couple of shots in uh, in Rogue One that they that are no longer in the final cut of the film um, when he is uh, on the beach of Scarif, walking around, inspecting, and uh, he gets that cape wet. Oh, my. But, well, I mean, it's... Is he wearing the cape at the beginning? Because it's raining in the beginning of the movie. So maybe it's his rain cape. Yeah. <laughs> you have a rain cape. He's well equipped. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, and for the in their formal uniforms, by the way, just to continue the cape theme, Apollo and Starbuck also have oh, that's capes right. on their, their formal uniforms. That's another franchise I absolutely love. And I tried watching the new Battlestar Galactica a couple times. I just could not get into it. <laughs> what are we separated at birth here? What's going on? <laughs> what is happening uh, here tonight? Yeah. The other, um, no. you know, uh, I don't know, probably 10 episodes ago, uh, we did a... Uh, we did a uh, an episode on the original Battlestar Galactica. We were going to um, we were going to uh, tackle a little bit of the new stuff with uh, one of my guests, but um, I just I could not get into it. And you know I didn't tell him to uh, to watch uh, Galactica 1980, but he did. I was just <laughs> focused on on the original the original run, yeah. um, which uh, you know it's. It's like uh, Star Wars had a baby, uh, and um, you know there's a lot of uh, stuff in Galactica that is very closely related to Star Wars, but you know behind the scenes. So, yeah. It- well, we you know, and we we always called it. I, d- I actually did a podcast on this, um, and one day we're going to do Galactica 1980. We uh, my buddy Shaz Bazaar and I did a commentary track for every single episode of, of the original Galactica. Oh wow! And. Uh, it, it's interesting because we always called it Star Wars on TV because that was the appeal. Oh yeah, of course. Was you know you couldn't you had to Star Wars would come out and then come back to the theater for a few weeks and then it'd go away, and several months later you'd be sitting there watching cartoons on Saturday morning and you get you'd see an ad Star Wars coming back to theaters this Friday what, and you'd get <laughs> to go back and see it again but the, it was you didn't get to see it often, and you couldn't see it like we can all the time now you just you put it on your phone and you hand it to the kid and you go here watch this. And um, we couldn't do that. And so you could get Star Wars on TV every single week with Battlestar Galactica. And that was, to me, that was the big draw to it. Now, I, I got to tell you, I love that cast. I love, I think Dirk Benedict and Richard Hatch had a chemistry that gets, is totally underrated. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. And, and of course you got Lauren Green and, and uh, Terry Carter as Colonel Ty. 
I just think it was a great cast. They were all fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they were all you, fantastic. You got, you got a lot of Ralph McQuarrie designs. You got mm-hmm. John Dykstra doing special effects. You know, there's a yeah. lot of Star Wars DNA in that in that show. Absolutely. You know, it's Star Wars. Everybody knows. Uh, you cut me. I believe Star Wars. It changed my life. But yeah, the one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had was going to see uh, Battlestar Galactica. The projectionist had the volume up so high in the theater that my seats rumbled when the Colonial Vipers launched um, nice. off of the Galactica. I will never forget that. It's so, so awesome. And and I was just happy that it came to theaters because my parents are old school parents. And I got in trouble the day the pilot came on. And my parents put me on restriction. I couldn't watch TV. And I went, okay, mom, that's fine. But I'm going to get still watch Galactica tonight. And they're like, no, you're oh, not watching no. any TV tonight. And I'm going, but but it's Battlestar Galactica. Star Wars on TV. And they go, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then oh they did God. this thing. While I sat in my room moping, they sat in the living room and watched it. <laughs> so, and you can hear it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I remember at one point sneaking down the hall to peek at the TV as they're watching and they <laughs> caught me started yelling at me. Wow. So I mean. never, I never saw that. I never saw the uncut pilot until it came out on DVD, but wow. I didn't see that story until, uh, until they put it out in theaters and I got to go see it then. And I got to see Rick Springfield turn into a column of flame. <laughs> so. Yeah. Speaking of star Wars, I wonder if he wears a cape. Who's that? Rick Springfield. <laughs> yeah. I know he's a big. I know he's a big collector. He is a big collector. He is. Uh, we saw him a couple of years ago at Disney, and uh, my wife and I, because my wife is crazy about Rick Springfield. I always mentioned that he turned into a column of flame before you up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I made sure to wear a Star Wars shirt and sit prominently up front just in case he would. He didn't notice. He didn't care. That's funny. I heard a rumor that he sold everything. Oh really? Which I find that hard to believe because he had a he had a lot of like pristine action figures still in you know card bags and everything yeah that's he had a serious collection yeah i hope the rumor is false <laughs> yeah you'd hate to see that broken up i mean uh, if, if you're gonna yeah. get rid of it you know donate yeah. it to rancho obi-wan or something please right that's that's i keep telling my wife you know when i die you're gonna have to turn my house into a museum to commemorate me because i want everything to still be intact <laughs> Well, how pissed do you think I was when uh, when we didn't get uh, the Lucasfilm uh, Museum of Narrative Arts here in Chicago? Yeah, and you should have. We that should have been a thing. We should have, but politics be damned. Ah, uh, those stupid uh, activist group uh, friends of the park. And, and yeah, and what I mean was it like the parking for Soldier Field? Basically, was it? Basically, yeah. They're like, no. Oh. <laughs> There's plenty of other places here. Uh, that was crazy. That was nuts. Yeah, and that was that was big time economic activity for Chicago. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, yep. Unreal. My friends uh, used to make fun of me. They're like, "Are they gonna Are they gonna have to call the authorities on you? Will you uh, <laughs> you'll be like walking down the the parking lot with the uh, the actual Darth Vader helmet? Say, like, no, no, no. This this was mine. I brought it here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's a museum I'm interested in visiting, and I'm I'm. It would be easier for me to go see it in Chicago than it would in L.A. Sure. So yeah. That's I still can't figure out like when they do celebration out in Anaheim. I don't go there because I can't imagine going all the way, three thousand miles away, to spend the weekend in a convention center with a bunch of people that I could see somewhere else <laughs> in a convention center, yeah. and not see the sights of L.A. Right. Yeah. Star Wars Celebration Chicago was uh, was pretty fabulous. Oh yeah, I guess that's that's in the backyard. You could just see they need to do. Hopefully, maybe they'll announce this at London in April. Though Star Wars Celebration Brunswick. Yeah, because I'm all for it. We got a convention center here. You know, probably hold nice. nine or ten thousand people. We'd probably be fine. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um. Oh. Uh, Commander Adama wore a cape. Commander Adama, when he was formal, when he was doing yeah. his formal wear, he had a cape. And I liked their capes because they had the over-the-shoulder, like down-in-front capes. Right. 
Those were nice, the best to me. Those nice were great capes. Silver piping. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were, yeah. Th- we need to find a way to get one of those. I don't, I can't think of a Star Wars character who has that type of cape. You know, right. It kind of covers the front a little. Maybe um, Vader. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, some of the capes in Star Wars are, are, I, I kind of question, like the Captain Phasma. Like she's mm-hmm. got armor. And you would think that the cape would be even more cumbersome. Yeah. You've got, you've got Boba Fett with kind of a weird little He's got off like a of the half shoulder cape. half cape. Yeah. Um, you got a couple of stormtroopers uh, that have capes. Uh, snow troopers have capes. Yeah, well, which are kind of like skirts. skirts. Yeah. 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 Which is also a problem. Right. Because I don't know which bathroom the stormtroopers <laughs> snow troopers are going to use now. <laughs> Non-denominational. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude. Hello, this is uh, Chris from diggingstarwars.blogspot.com, and I'm calling in with my favorite Kate Star Wars character, which is Lady Lumia from the Marvel Star Wars comic series in the mid-1980s. Her best cape episode is actually issue number 96, entitled Duel with a Dark Lady. And she's my favorite because I love how Cynthia Martin penciled her cape as more of an abstract graphic design than just simply a cape. It's very cool. Check it out. Uh, Hope you can use this clip for your show. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Scarif crew, this is Wade uh, from Records of the Republic. I saw your tweet, and a relatively new listener. Uh, I've been getting into all kinds of Star Wars podcasts, but I wanted to answer the question, who is our favorite taped Star Wars character? Uh, I can't speak for Kevin, uh, my other half of Records of the Republic, but I can say that in the EU, Revan has to be my absolute favorite Jedi Sith character, and he is known for wearing a cape with his Mandalorian helmet. And then, if we're talking canon, it's got to be either Count Dooku, because I just, I, it, it, it's such a, it, it's a him look. Having the, the cape, I can't imagine, you know, there have been episodes in Clone Wars where he throws the cape to the side or takes it off or whatever, but the cape to me is so menacing, and it's just – it's a part of his classic look between that and his his curved lightsaber hilt. So Dooku's probably my absolute favorite, with an honorable mention of Return of the Jedi Luke, uh, when we see that kind of costume shift from his either farm boy outfit or his rebel pilot outfit and training on, uh, on Dagobah to the all-black Jedi tunic. It looks sharp, and then – you see him drop the hood in Jabba's palace, and it's just, it's a sharp, clean look for me. So those would be my two favorite canon characters with capes. But appreciate you guys. Looking forward to the next episode you guys post. And uh, as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, my name's Wade, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the scuttlebutt. But Boba Fett's is kind of like, you know, well, I was going to wear a cape, but right. then I had to put this backpack on. And so, you know, he's just kind of got it on the one shoulder. But you know what's funny, though, with Boba Fett... Uh, you know, getting into the costumes of of uh, of this bounty hunter. I mean, he's got the Wookiee pelts, and yep. they actually remind me of um, formal military. Uh, mm. What do you call it? Golden braided. braids. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I do um, still, by the way, have my twelve inch Boba Fett. I do not know where the Wookiee pelts are. Oh. You know what? I've got. I don't have the vintage one. I do have. Uh, there used to be a Disney store here in Chicago on uh, on Michigan Avenue, and during my break, I would just uh, you know nonchalantly head over there to see if there was anything new that I can pick up. Um, picked up a uh, a Boba Fett, um, but 
I've been picking up some of the some of those twelve inch uh, Star Wars vintage figures that were available back then. But um, I've yeah. got Han Solo, Luke, and C three PO, and a uh, an original Darth Vader and uh, Tarkin. An original Tarkin. Now, when you say original, like like ninety ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah, well, I think it was a ninety six. Yeah. That one. Ninety six. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but not not like seventies because they didn't do a Tarkin. No, they, they didn't yeah. do a twelve inch Tarkin. No. You know that's been the fun thing for me. And I told you I had to redo my office. One of the fun things for me has been because my wife said you're going to do this the way you want it. Is I've been going through storage and bringing stuff home from storage that just I can't believe I still have. Because I mean I can kind of believe it because I don't throw anything away. Right. But, but just how good a shape everything's in. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking around the office now. I've got my Hoth Ice Planet play set up there. I've got my 12 inch Vader next to it. Almost all of my lunch boxes. I haven't found one oh, of the, you lunch, got the boxes. lunch boxes. Oh, yeah. Well, I told you, I had brought my lunch yeah, every day and I kept all true. my lunch boxes. And my mom <laughs> would get me a new lunch box every year with the thermos. Oh, yeah. I've got most of the thermoses. Oh, wow. Is it? Or is it thermi? Thermi. <laughs> <laughs> but I brought Dagobah home the other day. I brought the Death Star home the other day. Put it together for the first time in probably 40 years. Um, <laughs> I got the Turret Probot play set up there. The Slave One. I'm sorry. The <clears throat> the Boba Fett's Starship. Uh, the Rancor. The Dubak. The Imperial Attack Base. That's all in my office. Is there anything that you have that you took out of storage and you realize like, oh my God, I forgot I had this? Uh, I, there are some things I thought, oh my God, I forgot I still have this. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was the Hoth Ice Planet playset because it's got that cardboard backing. And I thought that thing was long trashed and long gone, but it wasn't. I have it. It's it's intact, totally intact. Yeah. And uh, the there's a, I don't know if you remember this or not, the Rebel Command Center playset. With the ion cannon? No, no, that was the Hoth Ice Planet came okay. with the ion cannon. The Rebel Command Center was a Sears exclusive. And it came with like a, a Luke Hoth figure. It came with three figures. And uh, it was it had the same base as the Hoth Ice Planet, which was also the same base as the Land of the Jawas, except in white. Uh, but it also it had a different backdrop, basically. It was the Hoth Ice Planet base with a different cardboard backdrop. And I have that. And that shocked me that I still had that backdrop because I just, again, with the cardboard stuff, I thought long gone. I found one piece of the Cloud City playset. Do you remember that one? Yes. That was the Sears exclusive. Right. And it came with a solo Bespin outfit, an Ugnaught, uh, I think the 3PO with the removable limbs, and one more that is escaping me right now. But it you know, had kind of had that carbon freeze chamber thing. It was all, it was totally paperboard. Uh, I found one piece of that, one piece of paper from that, but I didn't Very have the nice. rest of it, but I, but I found a lot more than I thought I had. I'll say that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, there's been a lot of neat stuff. I've got a star speeder 3000. Cool. That's from the early nineties though. <clears throat> got a die cast Y wing with the bomb still. Nice. Yeah, I, I love those diecast ships. Oh yeah, yeah. I brought most of those back. I got the tie bomber, which I thought I was hot stuff for having. Are those all original um, from your childhood? Yes, yes, yeah, very nice. Absolutely. Uh, tie bomber, Falcon, twin pod, twin pod cloud car. Right. I brought back X wing, Vader tie fighter. Uh, mentioned tie bomber, but I'll mention it again because I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> Land speeder. No windshield on the land speeder, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but yeah, just just brought all that stuff back, and it's uh, it's all it's all surrounding me. See, that's again why it would have been a great video tonight. <laughs> We're gonna have to get you back on a scare yeah. live. We're gonna have to do it because yeah, the the uh, the room is is nice, and I keep I keep making little alterations. I keep going back to storage and going. I still have this. Holy cow. You know what is in storage that will never get into this office? Life-size at it. Uh, no, <laughs> no, but close. <laughs> Do you remember when Return, not Return of the Jedi, when Revenge of the Sith came out? Mm-hmm. And Burger King had 
these giant inflatable Darth Vader's on top of the restaurant. Oh yeah. I have one in my storage unit. That is so funny. One literally here, they threw it away and a buddy of mine fished it out and said, Hey, you guys are throwing that away. Do you, that's it. And they're like, yep. Can I have it? And they said, sure. So, so of course he called me up and sold it to me, which was nice. Because <laughs> what are friends for? Exactly. But, uh, hope you got uh, a deal. But, I was, but, but yeah, but I mean, I, I paid like 50 bucks for it. <laughs> so it wasn't that bad. And, uh, I have it and it's sitting in storage doing nothing, but I just, I couldn't turn it down. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I've got the, remember the Star Wars Burger King glasses? Yes, yes. I've got a couple of sets of those, but one of the things that are connected to those is the translite over the menu board at the Burger King slash Burger Boy. No! I've got uh, both both caps, both ends. No! And uh, my friends over at the Holocronicles podcast bug me every year to make an offer on them and it's crazy the last time i checked on ebay fifteen thousand dollars what and i'm like are you kidding me that is amazing and i i created a little frame for them and i backlit them and they're uh they're at my office oh my goodness under lock and key oh i'll bet that's awesome though that is fantastic yeah you got to bring those and put those in your studio at home i should yeah how big are how big are they? You're talking what? Yeah, if you if you hold two computer monitors side by side, they're they're that long, and a little wider than the computer monitors. Wow! But they're oh, beautiful. Yeah. You got to take pictures. You got to put that on like the Twitter. I I have before. I'll I'll send you uh I'll send you in the DM. I'll send you a couple of shots of those. Okay. But they are uh yeah they're part of my most prized uh items that i have oh i'm sure i'm sure now i'm oh yeah this is i'm jazz now we're we're talking we're not doing a lot of cape talk but we're, doing, <laughs> we're touching a lot That's, of avenues that are very cool yeah. to me. but um no absolutely i keep taking a look and going yeah there's my cape list but boy what about this other stuff <laughs> <laughs> squirrel what have i done Well, thanks for not talking capes with me on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. <laughs> well, capes. Kira's got a cape. Vader's yeah. got a cape. Kira's a good one. Orman Taggy's got a cape. Lando's got a cape. Batman's got a cape. Count Dooku's got a cape. An aristocratic. Count Dooku's got a great cape. Great, great cape. And Grievous uh, cape. Yeah, a lot of capes in Star Wars. And um, <laughs> I've got this book that apparently is also worth a lot of money. The um, the costume book by Trisha Bigar from yeah. uh, the prequels. Um, I bought it retail, and uh, again, looking on eBay, everybody's offering a thousand bucks for it, twelve hundred, really? seven hundred. It's crazy. Really, I've got it right here. I have. I never took the shrink wrap off of it. Yeah, leave it on. I bought it brand new. I didn't. I didn't realize it was valuable. It's it's a number one. On many on many occasions, <laughs> <laughs> leave it in the plastic. But yeah, um, it's such a beautiful book, uh, and obviously, Star Wars costumes are very prominently positioned, in, especially with the uh, all the wonderful costumes in um, in the prequels. But um, it gives you a lot of detail, a lot of pictures, a lot of cosplayers uh, have used that book as a reference because there is just so many beautiful photographs of capes. And costume parts and helmets and everything that they did for the characters in the prequels. Queen Amidala, obviously, she probably never appeared in uh, in the same thing in between scenes. Yeah, it was uh, amazing to look at. Yeah, mine still got the. I, I didn't realize this. I bought it at Books a Million because it still got the Books a Million price tag on it. Yeah, and it's still in shrink wrap. I never opened it. I bought it and put it on the show. It's a beautiful book. Just hold on, hold on to it, hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard putting it. I mean, you know, when I was in college, I used to buy two of everything, one to open and play with and one in the in the box. But then, you know, obviously you get married, you don't have that as much disposable income. No. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to let go of stuff. Oh, yeah, it is. 
Indeed. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in my office, in my home office, I'm actually out of wall space. So I'm actually between my office, my storage, uh, my production office, which is wall to wall Star Wars as well. I probably could open up a Star Wars museum here in Chicago all on my own. <laughs> and the other day I actually asked uh, for fellow Chicago nerds to go in on, on, a, on a project. Uh, we could actually take over the uh, old Michael Jordan steakhouse. Yeah, that would I be heard you such, talking about that. That would be such an amazing project. All in jest, of course, because uh, I don't have any money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're an investor looking for a really cool project, hit me up. Here's what I've learned. If you just go in and squat, <laughs> it's yours. They're, they're not going to kick you out. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, we got a squatter here, but for some reason, he's got Star Wars toys all over him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he's charging admission. You had to pay $5 to come try and kick him out. Oh, that would be a funny news story. <laughs> well, if, if you do open that, if you do open the museum, let me know, because I think I can cover you on books. <laughs> Very nice. Excellent. Scott, it was uh, wonderful talking to you. Um, Absolutely. Anytime I get together with a fellow Star Wars nerd, it seems like uh, we talked for 10 minutes. It's been over an hour. Good grief. Time flies when you're having fun. But um, yeah, this has been a blast. Uh, capes or no capes. Mm -hmm. Definitely uh, learned something and uh, had a lot of fun. Spider-Man, Darth Vader, Battlestar Galactica. We're twinsies. That's right. Spider-Man, by the way, no cape, but pit webs. Yes, that's right. That's too funny. Still stylish. That's right. Excellent. Scott, why don't you tell the folks where people can find you to say hello there? Hello there. Uh, you can. I'm on Facebook, Scott Rifen, R-Y-F-U-N, uh, at Rifen on uh, Twitter. I have at my Star Wars story, if I ever do another episode of that. And uh, maybe one day that'll happen. You never know. Uh, and of course, the uh, the daily podcast. Brace yourself and prepare for that if you really want to dive into that. That's on the iHeartRadio app, and it's in the iTunes Store as well under Scott Rifen, S C O T T R Y F U N. That's it. Absolutely, sounds like fun. Let's do it. Excellent. Thank you, uh, folks, again for tuning into this latest Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. We love to hear your voicemails, and if you have anything to add to our conversation, maybe something we didn't say because we probably didn't talk about capes as much as we wanted to, but we just having fun. Give us a call over at the Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline seven seven three two three four eight six five nine. We'll include your voicemail in the show and talk and chat. That's what we do here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Until next time, this is Ro. Scott, thank you very much for joining me. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>